Hi, you're listening to the VJ Hemonk podcast. The field of immunotherapy and lymphoma has been moving at an incredible rate over the past few years, with several novel therapies showing great promise. In this insightful conversation, Catherine Bollard is joined by Stephen Ansel and Steve Gottschalk as they discuss some of the trailblazing immunotherapies currently being developed for the treatment of lymphoma, such as CAR T-cells and immune checkpoint inhibitors, as well as their potential to benefit a great number of patients. Listen as they debate some of the biggest hurdles to turning these promising emerging therapies into widespread standard lymphoma treatments, including issues with toxicity and finding the optimal combinations amongst hundreds of molecules. So I'm Kath Bollard from Children's National in Washington DC and I'm uh, here with uh, Steve Gottschalk from St. Jude's and Steve Ansel from the Mayo Clinic and we've just had a very exciting session on immunotherapy for um, lymphoma at the 2017 IWNHL meeting. So Steve and Steve, um, I think you know the three of us represented the, some of the very um, key areas that are exciting areas that are happening in immunotherapy for lymphoma and um, I know that I touched um, initially on the uh, CD19 CAR T-cell field and uh, obviously with the impending uh, licensure of the Kite product and the more recent licensure of the Novartis product I think we are now ready to uh, work together in collaboration with the checkpoint inhibitors that you talked about, Steve Ansel, and the uh, the bite and dart field that Steve um, Gottschalk talked about. So, I guess um, Steve Ansel, do you want to talk about you know where you think um, the field's at in the checkpoint inhibitor field and and how you see um, we could combine our strategies ultimately? Um, to improve outcomes for our lymphoma patients. Yeah, I think you know there's a lot of excitement about immune checkpoint inhibitors and how effective they've been. Hodgkin lymphoma has been a fantastic story with lots of really good results in that field. What I spoke about is some of the other large cell lymphoma and T cell lymphoma histologies where in subsets of patients we've seen real exciting results. The challenge is just it isn't for everybody and not everybody's benefiting. So one of the challenges is to work out why you benefit and why you might not. I think to come to your question about how this could be combined, I think CAR T-cells are a natural place where immune checkpoints and CAR T-cells could be used together. One of the challenges, as you well know, is that CAR T-cells, when effective, really require persistence and require lack of inhibition, if you like. So the fact that we use uh, different chemotherapies to kind of condition the patient and clear the decks to get the cells there, that's really important. But as you also know, the biology of the tumor is that there are lots of suppressive elements that are being generated by the tumor. And one of them is PDL1 and PDL2, which are targets of some of the checkpoint blockades. So if we can prevent these activated T cells from getting inhibited by using immune checkpoint therapy, that could really make uh, already effective CAR T cell therapy even more effective. And so, and so, Steve Goshock, um, so with the bite and dart field, you presented over a hundred sort of molecules that are out there potentially, and then um, you also showed how you could incorporate this approach actually as an adoptive T-cell therapy. So how do you sort out the noise and you know what, how you would pick what would be the best sort of strategy to take in, in the sort of the engager T-cell field, bites, darts, et cetera? I think as 
Steve, and you are mentioning your talk, I think critical will be to define the patient population where these things will work. And it will be probably not one size fits all. So it really will depend on f actually also finding before we start therapies, predictors, who will respond, which then will also, so to speak, justify the investment because some of these biological therapies are quite expensive. So I think stratifying patient who will benefit, and it might be that subsets will respond better to checkpoint blockade, others we need cartel ther therapy and checkpoint blockade or bispecific antibody. Uh, and hopefully, since with the FDA approval of some of these reagents, more and more patients will receive these agents. We have sufficient numbers to make this type of decision and risk stratify patients uh, properly. And uh, again, not, I think not only the immunotherapy field, but also all the other fields struggle with what are the best combinations. And I think part of the issue will be to really have better also preclinical animal models to really test out combinations so that we can then pick winners and test them in the clinic because we cannot, I would say it's impossible to test all potential combination in a clinical setting. So there was a lot of discussion with the CAR T-cell talk about toxicities, but actually all these strategies have toxicities. And, um, you know, how do we ensure as immunotherapists that we can, you know, responsibly communicate to the community uh, how to mitigate toxicities? And I think you brought up a great point that actually a lot of work had been done regarding the blinatumumab neurotoxicity that then the CAR T-cell field almost recreated the wheel on um, when they encountered similar toxicity. So I guess, you know, I would be interested, especially Steve from you, because I don't think you did talk so much about the toxicities of the PD-1 inhibitors but they, and the PD-L1 inhibitors, but there are toxicities that need to be overcome. So I think that's absolutely true, <clears throat> and I think some of the challenges is to work out how to anticipate that. But I think the more you get to use things, the better you get at it. And I think a point that was made in the meeting, which was very relevant, is that initial studies had very high toxicity. Subsequent studies for CAR T cells, for example, less toxicity. Studies from uh, you know biospecifics, similarly, as we anticipated by recognizing the patient getting fevers or beginning to become symptomatic and intervening or sometimes even using treatments ahead of time to prevent those, that actually decreases the side effect profile. And interestingly, steroids, which everyone was very anxious about, don't want to suppress the immune system was the thinking. Turns out actually the immune system doesn't really get significantly impaired by some of these types of treatments. So I think moving forward, we're going to be better at identifying who's at risk identifying early when patients are getting sick, jumping in and intervening, and making the treatment safer all round. I don't think the treatment will ever be entirely safe, so I think there's always going to be some risk that needs to be discussed with a patient, for example, but I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be unusable because of very high toxicity. And I think immune checkpoint therapy, that's been proven to be the case, where the toxicities actually are reasonable and most practicing clinicians are able to use the agent quite safely. So we did talk, um, I think Steve Gottschalk and I talked a bit about antigen loss as a potent immune escape mechanism, which 
maybe is not as relevant in lymphoma as it is in acute lymphoblastic leukemia, but um, certainly we talked about strategies on the CAR T-cell side for either doing dual targeting or looking at other um, targets for such as CD20, um, uh, CD22, um, Kappa, etc. Um, so Steve Gottschalk, so you know how with these bispecifics, you know, how many can they talk? Can you do more than two antigens at a time, or is what's the limitations in that with that platform? Well, uh, at least preclinically, molecules have been developed which have three domains. So you not only, you know, bring the tumor cell and T cell together, but you can can target an additional antigen, let's say on the tumor cells, or you can have a domain which is immune stimulatory. So I think from a protein engineering aspect, you can probably make three domain molecules. I think beyond that, it might be too complex and complicated uh, to, um, to kind of you know, implement, but you could always then develop you know, multiple reagents, you know, where you have one antibody which you know, specific for one tumor antigen and then another for a second or, you know, a third one. Um, so I, I think the strategy will hopefully, you know, will develop and uh, be implemented. And Steve Ansel, so then how are you going to bring antigen targeting to the checkpoint inhibitor field? How could we do that? How do you think you could best do that? So I think, you know, you made the point earlier about combination approaches, and I think that's really where things are, are going to go. Um, I mean, immune checkpoint blockade relies on the T cell already identifying the target and having an affinity for whichever target it's going after. If, on the other hand, that's not really true, even if you uninhibit, as it were, that T cell, the T cell is still lost. So I think that's where additional ways might uh, be necessary. And some of the things that were discussed was to take a CAR T cell that actually already now has an affinity to dock onto CD19, for example, and then allow it to generate molecules that would protect it from inhibition. So it allow it to provide or make its own uh, immune checkpoints so that the cell would then not only see the target, reach the target, it would then be uh, protected against inhibition. But I think as we move forward, either taking a modality of treatment like CAR T cells and changing it to do all of that, or giving two things together at the same time, a CAR T cell and an immune checkpoint antibody, for example, may be the way to go forward. If we can mitigate toxicity. Correct. So, you know, again, if you don't inhibit a cell, that cell, if it gets too switched on, might actually end up causing a lot of trouble. So I think that's where careful studies, working out the right doses, the right combination is going to be critical. And so finally, so the three of us are all bone marrow transplant doctors as well as all the other things we do. So do we, are we going to be put out of business? <laughs> Is that why we're now immunotherapists? <laughs> well, there, there may be some truth to that. Um, I think many uh, CAR T-cell programs are actually getting integrated into bone marrow transplant programs. And part of that is just because bone marrow transplant programs are used to complications, immunological complications, and are very focused on being able to manage that. I think, to be frank, at the end of the day, I'm quite happy to be put out of business from a perspective I'd like to see if therapies that are broadly applicable to everybody be treatments that we're working toward. And I don't know that we're there yet, but uh, certainly, as I say, if something is good for everybody and can benefit everybody, I'm quite okay. I think the problem with transplantation, allotransplant particularly, 
is that only a select population can benefit. So thank you very much for a very lively discussion. I think we can all agree that our field is really hot right now and that um, if we meet again this time next year, our discussions will be even more uh, wide ranging because the field is moving so incredibly fast. So, so thank you very much. To keep up to date with the latest Hemonk news, including cutting-edge content straight from Ash 2017, subscribe to us at vjhemonk.com. Find us on Twitter and get involved with the conversation on our page at vjhemonk.com.